Morning Vintage, I'm really excited to be able to share with you this morning. Um, let me explain how this teaching came about because I planned on a couple other things and the Lord, I really believe, laid this on my heart. I am part of a Zoom call of leadership with uh, Wild at Heart. There are guys all over the world. It's every other Thursday in the afternoon. And um, they mentioned a book by Dallas Willard called Life Without Lack learning the secret of contentment, peace, and security. And so I bought a couple copies, gave one to my pastor, and uh, kept one for myself, but I hadn't read it yet. And at 2 a.m. on Tuesday morning, the Lord woke me up and just reminded me of Psalms 23. The other thing I thought of was my grandfather. My grandfather's generation, I've mentioned this before, he was born in the late 1800s. So he went through the First World War, the um, Spanish flu, the plague that wreaked havoc all over the world, then went through the Great Depression to the point the rest of his life he would never put money into a bank. He was afraid of banks. And then he had his son, my father, be shipped off across the seas to fight another war. And I say that because the Lord was reminding me that so many of us, I think, today are thinking, this is the worst time we've ever had. We've never faced a plague like this. We've never faced an economy like this. And I just want to encourage you, God knows all of those things. And others in our lineage have faced worse circumstances and have come through because they've trusted God. I am a product of my grandparents and my parents because they trusted God in the midst of incredible, incredible circumstances. I want to have a a conversation with you this morning as a father. Psalms 23 we're all familiar with if you're a Christian. At probably every funeral you've ever gone to, they've read it. There's a plaque probably on your grandmother's wall. There was on mine with Jesus holding a staff, holding some lamb with the the 23rd Psalm, I want to share it out of the ESV. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just want to take this and unpack this chapter verse by verse, or actually sections by by section. The first is, the Lord is my shepherd. I had a picture on my office wall for years of a, of a rolling meadows, emerald green. It really actually reminds me of the San Francisco Bay Area in the, in the springtime. And there was a flock of sheep, and they were eating. Not one of them had their head up, and it just said, the Lord keeps watch. And that's the idea here. It's the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord keeps watch. He is watching over me. Even when I don't know it, when I'm unaware, he's protecting me. He's sometimes correcting me. He's covering me. That's the God we serve. That's 
And, and, and David starts, because he was a shepherd, he says, there's someone greater than me. The Lord is my shepherd, like I am protecting these sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that watches over me. And then he says, I shall not want. And this is where uh, Dallas Willard gets the, the title for his book, A Life Without Lack. And if you don't read the book, you would think it was just some book on prosperity. That's not what he's saying at all. And that's not what David is saying here. I shall not want means my needs and even my desires are taken care of. What's amazing about growing old is that the older one gets, the less one wants most of the time. You know, it's like you asking your grandparent, what do you want for Christmas? And they're like, I don't need anything. I have everything I want. When you're a young man or a young lady, there's many things that you think you need. They become wants. They become desires. But as you grow older, and this is what should happen in the Lord, the path of the righteous should grow brighter and brighter until that full day. We should mature in him where we understand this planet is not our home. Our wants become less than what we really think we needed as a young person. I don't lack anything. First Peter tells me that God has given me everything pertaining to life, meaning this life that I have here on this planet, and to godliness, what is to come. God has given me everything I need. I have no wants because he has become all that I need. Pastor Trav taught a couple months ago about the desire of our heart, that we are moldable, we are pliable, and when we delight in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. So many times we think we need something, but when we set in the presence of God, he molds our heart into what we really need, and then he's able to release that to us. And then he says something, David says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And in the Hebrew, that's really what it's saying. He makes me. He leads me to these pastures, and he makes me lie down. There's two aspects of this I see. If 2020 has done anything for us, or it should, I don't know if you remember the teachings back in March, in February and March, we were talking about the shaking the Lord is doing, and the shaking first starts in the church. What 2020 has caused me to do, and many people I've talked to, is that it has forced us he has made us to lie down in these green pastures. If you know anything about sheep, they will eat anything at any time. They eat really down to the bare nubbins of the grass. I don't know if you remember the Glenn Ford movie where the cattle ranchers and the sheep herders were at war with one another because the sheep can destroy a pasture. They eat everything. They eat sticks. They eat rocks. They eat the good stuff too. That's why they meditate. They regurgitate what is bad, spit that out and swallow back. They chew the cud. That's why God has given them that ability. But they will eat any time at any and anything. And, and so it's really interesting. He says that in green pastures, and you got to understand, David is writing in the, uh, looking at this and writing this in the Holy Lands, which don't have much moisture. Green pastures were hard to come by. Again, it reminds me of the arid climate in, of the San Francisco Bay Area, where only certain seasons, early in the spring, is, is the grass or are those hills green? The rest of the time, they're burnt to a crisp. They're brown. Same with the Holy Land. And he says he took them and made them lie down. They're not eating. They're lying down. And what are they doing there? They're chewing the cud. They're thinking about what is going on. They're, 
to us. That's what it speaks to me. They're, they're, they're asking the Lord, God, what about this? What is happening in my life? What is taking place during this crazy year? Everybody says, I can't wait for 2021. Well, sometimes we need to be careful what we wish for. But the fact is, God is doing something to the church, for the church. He wants us to be light. He wants us to be salt. He wants us to be that, that ingredient in the world where we draw people to him because of the, the flavor we have. And that happens when, when this picture of contentment, that's the key, contenting, laying down in the pasture that the Lord provides for us. And sometimes we don't think they're green places, but that's what God is doing. The sight of the, the sheep eating is per, not eating in green grass is pretty remarkable. Um, this contentment I want to talk about for a minute, this, the settled peacefulness, and less bitter and more satisfied. Let me give you that definition again. It's a state of settled peacefulness, less bitter and more satisfied. I want to ask you a question. Does that describe the world today? A state of settled peacefulness, less bitter and more satisfied. It doesn't describe the church either. The world's not like that, and I believe most of us in the church aren't like that. God wants to bring a settledness where we have peace in the midst of whatever may come our way. Philippians chapter 4, 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Paul is having a financial need. He's having a physical need here. Indeed, you were, were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, you sent me this letter saying, what can we do for you, basically? There was, there was no opportunity for you to give. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, Paul says, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I'm telling you, I don't know if I've lived in verse 12 very much in my life. Most of the time, I have my basic needs met. But, but to, Paul is saying we learn the secret of contentment by having want in our life and having supply in our life, by God's by God letting us go through lean times and God go, allowing us to go through times of plenty. And he says, my, my circumstances may change, but my attitude doesn't. I'm in contentment. I have this settled peacefulness. I'm less bitter and more satisfied. Less bitter and more satisfied. Less bitter and more satisfied. We as the church, we as vintage, if we're going to affect our region, we need to be people of settled peacefulness, less bitter and more satisfied. And then the verse, chapter 4, verse 13 of Philippians, that we all quote, it's on eye black of athletes. You know, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. It's a, it's a dead uh, lifter in the Olympics saying, I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength. That's not in the context. Paul is saying, I've learned contentment, therefore I know I can do all things. It's not so that I have supernatural strength to lift this weight in the Olympics or to run through the, the football team and, and, and throw the winning pass. We, we take it out of context. It's in the context of learning the secret of contentment. And through that, then we understand, no matter what circumstances it may be, I can do all things through Christ. Let's go back to to uh, Psalms 23. 
He leads me beside still waters. I want to ask you a question. How and where are you being led? How and where are you being led? Are you being led by the circumstances? Are you being led by the internet and what you read by some, on some website? Are you being led by what others tell you or what others think of you? How are you being led and where are you being led? David says, he leads me besides these tranquil, still waters. Peace, tranquility versus these fast-moving streams. We've all been in the mountains where we've seen this runoff where it's just unbelievable. David is saying God finds these places, these pools, these eddies where, you know, you think about if a sheep stood in some mountain streams, you know, he'd end up being a mile down the road or a mile down the stream and the shepherd be chasing after him. We can't, we sometimes think God is moving, wants to move fast in our life. God wants to take us to these places where we think there's no life, it's just so still, this eddy in our life where God is saying, drink freely. Man, we need the word like never before. We need to spend time in his presence. We need to take our schedule before him on a daily basis. God, what are you asking me? How are you leading me and where are you leading me? Then he says, he restores my soul. The soul is the the mind, the will, and the emotions of, of man. We are a triune being, and in that triune being, we have a soul. And in that soul, it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. I want to ask you something. Has God restored your mind, your will, and your emotions? Sometimes we are all over the map. God wants to bring restoration, and restoration means to be brought back to a place of wholeness. God wants to bring wholeness of mind to the church. God wants to bring wholeness of emotions. God wants to have our will subject to him to bring us back to where we need to be, not following our own way, not doing our own thing, not bipolar in our Christianity where we're up and down and up and down and up and down. God wants to bring that path of the righteous where we grow brighter and brighter until that full day when we see him face to face. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I honestly believe this. In my study of Scripture, and that that Scripture out of Proverbs that I keep quoting, that the path of the righteous is like the, the light of dawn, there's a specific path that God gives you to walk in and me to walk in. And it is different, I believe, with each individual, just like we have a different fingerprint and we have different DNA. There's a specific path that God is asking. Though there's absolutes that we all have. We all know the absolutes if we studied Scripture. We all know what God is asking us of. Us of. Um, and so there's this path that we need to take. And there's parameters. And much like a riverbank, the parameters can shift. But we are in the middle of what God is doing. It's a specific way for you. It's a specific way for me. Each of us. A path of how to properly live in right standing, and right living. Again, you know, we we talk about holiness in Scripture as a list of do's and don'ts. It's not that. He says, he leads me. Notice, he, the good shepherd, is leading me into these paths of righteousness. Right living, because I am right in right standing with God. I know what he's done for me, and therefore I can walk in his grace and carry out his commands. For his namesake. 
He leads me in these paths of righteousness, not so that I can say, look at what God has done in my life, but I can say, look at what God has done so that the light shines through me. Our lives are not our own. This aspect of revealing who Jesus is. And then why it's read in almost every funeral I've ever been to is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David says, he doesn't say I might, he says even though all of us are going to have times where we walk through this valley of shadows. We walk through the deepest darkness, another translation says. We walk through these areas where, if you, again, if you've ever gone backpacking, where some of those valleys, you know you've got to get up to the other side of that ridge, but you're walking through this valley and you've been sweating like crazy. All of a sudden it's cold because the sun's blocked. It's a dark area. And, and that's the idea. You're walking through this valley. You're walking through this shadow. I really believe to some degree that's what our nation and what the world is going through with this pandemic and other things. We're walking through this valley of shadow of death, but it's a shadow because this planet is not our own. We are going to live somewhere, somewhere forever. Every one of us are an eternal being, and we're going to live somewhere forever to walk through this valley of death. And that's why I've been in hospital rooms where somebody I know really knows Jesus and somebody that I really don't know where they're at with the Lord. And I've watched People die that know the Lord and those that don't. And it's a different thing. When somebody knows Jesus, there's a peace that rests on them. I've literally seen people close their eyes, lift up their hands, and basically say, come take me, Jesus. I've been in rooms where you can almost feel angelic beings. And I've been in rooms where somebody is in terror of what is happening. This, though I walk, if you understand the good shepherd, if you understand the scripture, if you know the grace of God, you can walk through this valley of true death And you don't have to fear evil. Why? Because God is with me. I love the fact God never leaves me. God's always with me. When I became a Christian, I'm no longer an orphan. He gave me the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is with me all the time, the rest of my life. He carries me through. He walks me through. And we got to understand there's no fear because of what I call the abiding presence of God. What an incredible thing. I can walk through whatever Whatever death may come, whether it's in reality or times where I feel like I don't know if I can take another step. It's what um, Hezekiah says to Isaiah. I feel like I've come to the point of delivering a child, but I have no strength to deliver. And Isaiah comes with the word of the Lord. That's the idea. You're about ready. You feel like you can't carry this burden. You can't carry this anymore. But I don't have to fear. Why? Because of God's abiding presence. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is for protection. It was a more like a, a smaller, I mean, a larger club. It, it was a, a piece of wood normally that was something, but it wasn't real tall. It was something that they used to protect the sheep. It's something that they would use to fend off animals, to fend off those that were trying to, to get to the sheep. And then the staff of correction had that shepherd's crook. That's the idea of the staff of correction. And the staff of correction, the reason it has a crook is sometimes God needs to pull us back. So he protects us and he and He corrects us. And a lot of people want the protection of God. They get in a situation, but they don't want the correction of God. God wants to do both. He loves to protect us, but he also sometimes teaches us. It's much like a child. We grow in the things of God by being disciplined in the things of God. 
And then he says, he closes this out with, a, with an incredible thing. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. It's this idea of eating is friendship. Eating is a sign of peace. And in the midst of your enemies, you are eating in peace. It's not like you're thumbing your nose at your enemies. It's like God has placed you in a time of peace because you can eat in the midst of whatever you're going through. You can have that fellowship, that friendship. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. What this speaks to me is of God, a sign of God's love and approval. It's the idea of Psalms 133 where it says that the oil poured on Aaron's head ran down his head into his hair, down his beard, onto his clothing, to his feet. That's the idea. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. God says he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or even think about. And so God wants to do incredible things. He wants to anoint us to do the things of God and because of his love and his approval. And then he ends this, this, this short psalm of only six verses. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me end with this, Vintage. Think about it. The blessings of a life under the care of the good shepherd will be this, goodness, mercy, and eternity. And by the way, eternity doesn't start. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts the minute you're born, and then you are born again with the true eternal life in the sense of, because I said, we're going to live somewhere. But he says, goodness, the goodness of God. God, God wants to show us how good he is. The world is constantly telling us what God's like. But when we understand, he says, surely goodness. And then the mercy of God. The mercy of God is not getting what you do deserve. The mercy of God over and over and over shall follow me. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to constantly turn around. They are following us. They are. We take the step. God leads us and behind us are goodness and mercy all of our life. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And to, to Jewish people, the house of the Lord meant this, where God's presence was. It was the temple. It was the Shekinah glory. It was that holy of holies. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, we need that church. We need to be people that understand Psalm 23. We need to understand content, contented living, and we need to understand the goodness and the mercy of God that for eternity he will be with us and we will be with him. The, the, the older I get, the sweeter heaven looks. I'm telling you, this, this planet is not our home. Goodness and mercy which gonna, are going to follow us and eternity is our goal. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. And God, I just ask that, that words that were spoken today Father, from the beginning, when Trav made the introduction, God, through bread and cup, through worship, there's been such a sweetness of what you are doing. God, I pray you draw us into your presence. That, Lord, you, you do what you want to do. That, that vintage would be the people of God that display the glory of God. That we understand that goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. God bless these dear people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, don't forget, couple weeks, we're going to see you live. God bless. Thank you.